This is the Plan Simple Podcast. The one for you, my dear, the woman who wears so many hats. We both know how many people in your life benefit when you're at your best. What would happen if you were to ditch overwhelm and wear all those hats with ease? I'm going to share how simple this can be. We will dive into how to make health, family, home, spirituality, productivity, and entrepreneurship more easeful. Incredible friends and guests will come by for inspirational conversations, valuable shares, and real strategies so you can plan for your best life. My name is Mia Moran. I'm a mother of three, a wife, an entrepreneur, a coach, and your host. I wear a lot of hats, and I am committed to leading a balanced life and sharing all that I have learned and am learning with you. You're ready? Let's flow. Hey, welcome to this episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. I'm so excited to be here with you today, and I'm really excited that we both get to be with our guest today, whose name is Ashley Moon. What a cool name is that? And we are going to talk all things decluttering and organizing our space. And they're different, by the way. (laughs) I feel like every time I talk to somebody who's amazing at this, I have to remind myself of that, that these are two different things. And Ashley really breaks it down in an amazing way. So I'm super excited that we get to learn from her. I am just realizing, and by the way, I'm kind of a minimalist at heart. And I have three kids and they're now teenagers and young adults. So they've been at my house for quite a while. And even as someone who like doesn't have a ton of stuff, it freaking adds up. And I tend to put like special stuff and I'm putting air quotes up right now down in the basement. And this winter, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is what really needs to happen next. We need to just make some choices about the things in the basement. I have a feeling I need to make some choices about the things in the basement and just let a lot of it go. I'm so excited. I have to tell you. So we're all swimming in stuff, myself included. And I just hear it come up a lot in Flow 365. I hear about it in groups that I'm part of. I I just hear it all the time, this goal of getting more organized, decluttering. And so on this show, I just always want to make sure that we have an informed path to do things like this, a a way that doesn't take extra time so that we're not just pushing stuff around forever, that we have shortcuts if there are shortcuts, just a deeper understanding, like anything that can help us to take action in a way that feels really good. Because if it felt really good and we were taking action, we wouldn't have this issue, right? We wouldn't have the stuff and we wouldn't feel like we needed to get organized. So I'm really excited about this one and I'm really excited to take action on it myself. I will tell you a few things. First of all, I find that this time of year, I know that there's such thing as spring cleaning, which to me, I live in a really, New England is a cold, dark place at this time of year. So I definitely am not thinking that it is spring right now. 
Yet this is the time of year that I really crave decluttering in space. It's like that transition, you know, there's still little pieces of the holiday around my house and uh, you know, just like the beginning of the school year and I'm just ready to shed stuff. My sometimes at this time of year, it's like my wardrobe has all the parts in it and I just want to simplify and organize. It always comes up at this time of year. The other thing that happens is that in my life and in Float 365, we set a goal in a few weeks for our first 90-day goal of the year. So I don't jump into January like, oh my goodness, I have to have my, I have to start my this year's goal right now. That is not how I operate at all. So January is a really good time to just feel great in my space, to shed some stuff, to let go, to get ready to bring in the new. And then by the end of January, I am leaning into my first 90-day goal and what that looks like. So if that helps you in any way <laughs> to let go of the fact or not feel behind anymore, that is my truth. I do not step into my next goal until February. I like that lunar new year cycle better. Okay. So that's something that is happening right now. And I'm super excited about the other thing that Ashley shared that I just want to like extra bring out in advance before she even shares it is this idea of space care, which is what we named the show because I have been thinking so much about self-care lately and just the word and what it means to me and how I'm leaving self-care into my life. And one of the things that I did was I really separated out and made some lists. So if this serves you, this is why I'm telling you this before we get Ashley on the show. I made some lists of different kinds of self-care. So I put self-care at the top and then I wrote down body care, soul care, and mind care. And they're really different to me. And I was noticing that I was trying to clump everything together and they serve me at different times of day, different times of the week, different times of the month. And I wanted to get really clear what I needed in each of those areas because the self-care thing was getting really big and overwhelming. And then I had this conversation with Ashley and I was like, oh my gosh, space care, <laughs> that is definitely part of my self-care. And so I added in that fourth category. So I'm going to do a follow-up episode to this for sure because I'm just fascinated by these different quadrants and I want to talk you through what I'm doing and give you some resources and some planning sheets and all the things so that you can run with this too. But I really resonated with that idea of space care and that this was something that's, I think sometimes decluttering and organizing feels like something that like lands on us that we have to do that we want to do but don't have time for but just the importance of it the resonance of it in the rest of our life we don't always take that into consideration so I hope that that piece really lands with you differently today all right so Ashley is one of today's top decluttering specialists she has an in-person team serving the greater Los Angeles area, and she does virtually supports people worldwide. And you're going to love her tone of voice. You're just going to love hearing from her because she's so excited about all this. And she began organizing as a teenager and 
joined a decluttering team in 2005 and then started her own business, Creative, Creatively Neat, in 2011. And they've helped hundreds of homes and businesses look, feel, and function more beautifully and optimally. And I'm so excited that she gets to come and help us today. So with no further ado, let's get Ashley on the show. Hey, Ashley, welcome to the Plan Simple podcast. I'm really very excited to have you here today. I love this topic. <laughs> you too. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh. I love this topic both because I don't know, I just stuff is like, I'm a minimalist by heart, but also I have three kids who are teenagers. So stuff has definitely piled up over the years. And I just feel like I noticed that a lot of people are moving around a lot of stuff these days, like because I'm so conscious of how people are spending their time. I'm like, there's got to be a better way. Yeah. So before we dive into all the wisdom that you're going to impart on us today, will you just tell us like why you love all this decluttering stuff and organizing stuff and how you got into this to begin with? We can sure. get to know you a little bit. Yeah, it happened organically. A family friend brought me on board to help her organize for her organizing business. And it's something that I probably learned from my mom, who's very minimal and intentional. But, you know, when I went off to college, I was sort of a mess and kind of rebelled being so neat and tidy and went the other way. And as an adult, I really had to find my balance and realize that, oh, I don't have to be extreme on either end. I can find somewhere in the middle. And it's a journey, right? Yeah. And so I started organizing as a teenager in the 90s. I'm 42 today. I've been doing this for a long time. But for a while, it was part time. It was a side hustle. And when I finished my master's in human development, and I was so passionate about how can I really help people, I couldn't seem to find the right nonprofit or job and education to make the kind of impact I wanted. And I decided to take my side hustle organizing, decluttering, and make it a full-time thing. And that was in 2011. And it has been amazing. It keeps evolving. I never get bored. There's just so many people to help through their decluttering process that I'm back in school actually for psychology, clinical psychology, to just keep finding more ways I can help people simplify their lives. And I'm just so passionate because there's so much we can't control Yes. in the world, in our lives. But one thing we can do is take good care of ourselves, of our space. I say space care is a form of self-care. And it actually allows us to show up more for others in our life, in our career, in the world, if we're not running on fuels or depletion, but we're actually practicing self-care, space care, and then we can show up and be of service to others, I think from a fuller cup, rather than being scattered, depleted. And so that's why I'm so passionate about it, because while it's good for self-care, I think it actually helps with community and collective care as well. I love that. That's such a good answer. <laughs> so good. So Actually, I was going to like dive into the details, but I actually want to step back to sure. what if someone's like, oh my goodness, like that whole idea of space care, that just sounds amazing. Like at a high level, what does that mean? Like, what does it mean to take good care of ourselves like, or our space? Like, what does that look like? What are the parts of that? Yeah. So taking a moment to pause and notice how you feel about your space. How does it make you feel? Do you love it or do you hate it or somewhere in the middle? Do you feel like you can get all your needs met in your space? 
Are you able to nourish yourself, to rest and sleep, to nurture relationships, you know, host people, take care of your family? Or, you know, if you live alone, does it feel lonely or is there something you can do to lift your spirits and feel good within yourself, within your space? Right. And so sometimes it's just a temperature check and noticing where is there room for growth so that you can function and feel better within your space? What is the purpose of each room? And does it feel like you're able to fulfill that purpose? Like, does the kitchen allow you to take care of yourself? Can you sleep well in your bedroom? Do you have an area to be able to work and focus if needed, pay bills, whatever? And so, yeah, being able to get all your needs met and not only survive, because that's what shelter helps us do, but thrive and celebrate all aspects of you within your home sweet home. Yeah. So as you're saying that, I'm like, okay, so it's probably really impactful then for people to understand what their needs are in their home. Right. Which it's interesting as you were saying that I'm like, I wonder if we all know that. And, you know, as somebody who definitely curates my space, like I'm pretty good about curating our space. And one of the things I noticed, and especially I would say since the pandemic, like I had three kids home during the pandemic and our home wasn't meant for like, that wasn't how we had designed it. So we like, literally like made what used to be more of a gathering room into an office, like with multiple workstations so that everybody could work. And it was like, we morphed our home into something different. And now, you know, that finished. And then two of our girls were sharing a room and one needed a room and we didn't have like an actual obvious room for her. So we, we sort of morphed things around. Like it wasn't what was maybe the house was traditionally made to be a bedroom, but we totally figured it out. And now I have two gone and I'm really in it right now because I'm like, wait, I have, we're now three in a house instead of five. And it feels so different. And we haven't cleared and changed this. I'm in the midst of clearing and changing the space, but it's definitely been such a process. And so I love that, that like, you know, where you're going to go pay bills and you know, where you can go work and where you can gather and how you can like eat the food you want to eat. I think that's just, that would be such a good exercise for me to do and probably everybody listening. So yeah, it's called needs-based assessing, right? Like noticing what your needs are and then making space for it. What tends to happen is the opposite. People go, look at this space. Now, what do I do with it? How do I fill it up? Rather than what are my needs and how are they getting met within the space? And there's such a range of people in homes. Like some people live in a tiny studio and they've really got to get creative with how they maximize the space, right? All the way to people who have huge homes or mansions, you know, I've seen it all. And they still either have a tendency to fill it up or it feels too empty or too zen and minimal if it's not kind of full. So it's really depending on where you're at, your situation, but making sure it feels good and balanced and homey to you. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so you mentioned something a few comments ago (laughs) about a space being something you invite people into. And that is something that I had come up quite a bit in my own coaching sessions with clients around needing to follow through on a declutter before feeling comfortable having kids friends over or having the neighbor over for dinner or hosting a holiday meal or whatever it is, right? And, you know, I'm a follow through expert, not necessarily a decluttering expert. And so for me, what I always notice is 
how much pressure we put on ourselves to have whatever our version of perfect is in our heads. And I feel like there's a version of being able to have people over that's probably sooner than the vision we have in our head or less difficult. So once you decide something like, I want to be able to invite people over, and this space feels way too cluttered for that. What's next? Like what happens next? This is super common. It's called perfectionism. (laughs) (laughs) And learning how to let it be good enough for now. Let it be good enough to have some people over. And if people are just moving stuff out of the common space where they're going to host and dumping it in a room where they can close the door, sometimes that's the reality. But there is a range, right? Mm-hmm. Ideally, everything gets sorted and purged and put away in the home it's supposed to be in. Sometimes we don't have that much time or capacity. So we do move things so that we can have people in. We just don't want to grow that later mentality avalanche that then becomes a mountain and overwhelms us and we shut down. Will you repeat okay? those three steps one more time? The three sure. Things? So to get organized, to organize anything. It's three steps. You sort like with like, you then purge one category at a time, and then you make a home for the keeps based on access needed. It is the most efficient way to do it because when you go make homes, you know exactly how much you have, how much space it takes up. While you're sorting, you can be purging at the same time if it's an obvious purge, but until you realize that you have eight purple suede jackets, you may not be inclined to let go of some because you need to know your inventory to make those informed decisions. So, so sort, purge, organize. <laughs> sort, purge, organize. And so it sounds like if you're sorting, I don't know, it just sounds messy to me. Mm-hmm. So when you're doing, like, how does that process look like? Like, how do you allow the time, maybe space and energy? I feel like probably a lot of times when we are in those initial phases, we feel like it's never going to actually end. So part of it might just be believing in the process and knowing that yes. at the end it will be organized. But like, what would you say to somebody who just gets overwhelmed even thinking about that? And is like, I'm never taking any of that stuff out because that just feels like it's opening Pandora's box of mm-hmm. all the things. I think starting simple and small and deciding whether it's better for you to ease in and do something that feels bite-sized manageable. A lot of this is not just about decluttering, it's how to manage time and task and energy and set a timer, you know, follow the process. But when the timer goes off, having some time for wrapping up and labeling where you're at. You know, so you don't feel like you have to start all over. You want to be able to pick up where you left off. And I think a lot of people forget the importance of that. And let's say your goal is to be able to host a dinner party, but your living room has piles of stuff everywhere, like five people who live there perhaps and all their things, right? So the sorting might initially look like sorting by person, like, and just picking that one area, like maybe it's this half of the dining room table, right? (laughs) and sorting first by person, what belongs to who, and then what already has a home. Let's put Mm -hmm. those things away first. Because if you know the clothes go in the closet or the toiletries go in the bathroom, those are quick wins. Those are easy and get the momentum going. But as you come across things that don't have a home yet, and that's why it's floating around, and it could be, hmm, maybe it goes in the closet or the garage, I don't know yet. I suggest doing those things last because you'll then be aware of how much space you actually have remaining after you've 
populated the obvious homes first. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So when you're doing these things, the other two things that come up a lot, and this happens actually with planning a lot too, because I say that all planning is is making decisions in advance. So obviously decluttering is also making decisions about what you're going to keep and what you're not going to keep. So will you talk a little bit about that? Because I feel like it's really hard sometimes to like, you know, you have a hundred books and you really can only fit 30, but like letting go of the 70 feels literally like you're dying sometimes. Yes. Okay. You are so good. Like (laughs) these are (laughs) things I hear all the time and you're just hitting the nail on the head. This is real decision fatigue is a real thing. Another reason the three steps, sort, purge, organize the keeps are so important is because it allows you to see where you struggle and therefore where you need to seek solutions. And it doesn't need to be overnight. It might feel vague and confusing at first, but if you're able to sort like with like, you're starting to see what is your inventory, right? When you begin to purge and you're having to decide whether or not to keep something, notice what happens. What are the stories coming through? Is it, you know, obligation, shame, someone gave you that, you know, like, just pay attention to how you're deciding whether or not to keep something. Ideally, you're making decisions from a place of love and trusting yourself that you're a good person doing the right thing, you know, but if you're starting to fear or there's lack mentality or anything that feels negative or heavy, it might be something that needs to get processed. Now, I'm a huge advocate for therapy. I know not everyone is into it. I'm in school to be a therapist. So, you know, (laughs) I think it's super helpful, game changer, or a coach, right? Coaches can really help you clarify your goals and what's blocking you, right? And so noticing if you're just tired of making so many decisions and maybe burning out, it might have a lot to do with your perspective and your emotions around the decisions you're making. Learning how to trust yourself that you're making good decisions, that you're making space, you know, so you can have more peace or harmony or focus in the home, like knowing your goals and why this is important. So you're incentivized to make space and let go. One more thing I'll say is Sometimes we're perfectionists about where it's going to go if we're letting go of it. And we want to manage everything, having the perfect recipient. That is so overwhelming and really slows us down. Allow yourself to get caught up on decluttering and organizing first before you, you know, reallocate resources. Like maybe when you're maintaining, you can then have a little more time to like have this go to the animal shelter and this go to a thrift store and you know, like at first, see if you can just take it all to one, maybe two places who will accept it or do a large item pickup, you know, try not to be a perfectionist about deciding where it's going to go. Because first you're having to decide whether or not you're keeping it. If you're not, you're having to decide where's it going to go. And if you are keeping it, where's it going to go? So the more you can simplify the process and release perfectionism, the better. And if you find that you're stuck and shutting down whenever you do it by yourself, often it helps to have an accountability buddy or a coach or mentor, someone who is your body double, especially if you struggle with ADD. It might mean that you're not meant to do this all alone and you need support and that's the way to We have in our programming, we have, because we're all about follow through. So we have three to four 90 minute focus sessions a day. 
and people they're kind of actually were made to do work in, you know, so you can concentrate and focus on writing emails or whatever it is, except a lot of people have started using them for decluttering because having those like 90 minutes to just like be like, okay, what would I like, just have that container of like, what would I do in 90 minutes versus I need to do this thing and feeling like it'll take, you know, it could take a day, it could take three days, but like, what could I do in 90 minutes? And I think we forget to ask that question sometimes and like really honor our energy. A lot of us as humans, we avoid the things that overwhelm us all by ourselves. Yet if we have someone nearby to keep us company while we do scary things or overwhelming things, it just makes it that much lighter and more likely to get done because we're not meant to do certain things alone. You know, some people after a long, busy day, they don't want to have to go home and be alone with their stuff and figure it out. But if someone's nearby, it can feel like, a we thing rather than a me thing, right? And yeah. so support systems are essential. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so we're getting rid of the things. I still feel like I have a lot. I feel like books come up a lot these days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm. why do we have so much trouble getting rid of books? Oh, because we love information and we want to be resourceful. And I love growing my library. But every time I've moved, I've gotten rid of a ton of books because I personally tend to move and have friends help. Maybe I'll hire one or two people, but it's interesting. They really are heavy. They take up a lot of space. And sometimes until we move, we don't let go or until we fill up and we're max capacity, we are not willing to let go. Yeah. But I think there's no magical number of books. It's really space allotment. Like how many yeah. fit within your shelving unit or systems? Is it overflowing? And so you need to create more shelves or are you really kind of overflowing and it's time to let go of some books. And if they're sorted and you can really see, oh, these are my nonfiction. These are my fiction. You might start to be willing to like let go of books you've already read, unless it's an absolute favorite or memento, you know, some <laughs> you might be willing to let go of some nonfiction if you can find it online. You yeah. know, so the sorting process within each category is also important. So yeah. when you're generally sorting a room like your dining room table, it's by category. But when you delve into a category that's like books, that's called a detail sort. So you start general and then you go into it and you get detailed. And that just allows you to make better decisions because you can really see what oh, you Oh, I love that. And that really enables you to have an hour or 90 minutes or whatever it is to like do a thing that's yeah. not the whole thing. Yes. One of the reasons Marie Kondo, Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up is so Mm -hmm. popular is because she has you do it one category at a time, which is way easier than one room at a time. But sometimes we do have a messy room and we kind of have to figure out how to go about it. The only thing with her is her process does sometimes overwhelm people to do it all at once. Like she has you do your clothes all at once or your books all at once. The way I have people do it, whether I'm you know, working with them in person, sending my team out or my courses and online stuff is I break it down even more. So, you know, if you have a ton of books, maybe you take it one shelf or one category at a time, like, okay, I'm just going to go through all my novels and gather them, right? Or with clothes, just start with what's hanging in the closet. And then next time, look at what's in your dresser. And then next time, look at where you might have it in bins or shelves. Like, it's really helpful to break it down so that you're sustainable rather than because this is a marathon, not a race. Right. While you're going through the decluttering process, I recommend not bringing new things into the home 
as Ooh, much. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like focus on the letting go so that you don't keep interfering with that process. Even if you mean well, it's like, you know, downsize first and then you'll know your inventory and what's missing. You can fill in the gaps more intentionally. Yeah. It's really interesting. Like, and even just like reflecting on my own thing, which might lead to the next question is, We renovated our house many moons ago when my kids were little. And one of the things I'm a designer by trade, so I love books and I collected all sorts of like art books and design books and whatever in my time at art school and sort of carried them around until we had this house. And so I built in this like floor to ceiling, wall to wall bookshelf in this one room. And it was actually my backdrop for many years. It was where my office was until we had to do the reorganization and COVID. And then I found my new space. But what's interesting is that I did a big purge of it. I don't know, maybe six years ago. And I was going actually through the Marie Kondo process. I, I got lost at mementos. But anyway, so I did the, <laughs> the thing. Yeah. And I released all my design books, actually, all my art and design books, which are like really nice, expensive books. And I followed the exact advice that you just said about just like not worrying where they went. Like, you know, at one point I was like, I could try to sell these. They're like, they each cost like a lot of money. Like, why wouldn't I sell them? But like, that would have stopped me in my track. So I got them to the library, I got them out, it like cleared space. And, you know, and then sort of like business and personal growth books started coming in and sort of filled the space. And the other day, I was like, you know, the idea of just having all these books doesn't resonate right now. Like, I want space on the shelves. I want them a dark gray. I want rocks and crystals. Like, I was like, it's just a new vibe. Like, it's just like, I'm in a new phase. Yeah. And I will say that I'm also in a marriage with a husband who still has books on that bookshelf from college. And, you know, I have kids who have gotten books for Christmas and whatever, and, you know, they're on that shelf too. So how do you declutter? Like, I'm assuming that you don't only walk into houses of single people. (laughs) So how do you navigate that part when it's like, you want to clean something out, and it's hard enough to do your own things. And then there's other people's things. Yes. Oh, there's like 10 things I want to say. (laughs) I'll try to keep it focused. Shared space is its own animal, like its own game in a way. So I think when it comes to sharing space, it's really important that each person has their own space. And then the shared space or common space is done together or communicated well together. So This can be throughout the home. This can be within a room like the kitchen or where the books go. And, you know, it helps when each person knows that they can do whatever they want within a designated space. But then when they're shared space, how do you get on the same page? And how do you compromise? Right? Does that help a little bit? Okay. And, you know, there's a few other things you brought up that sort of tie in. Knowing who you are today and maybe who you're becoming is really essential. I love that that you let go of what represented what you do, but it's no longer needed today as much, right? And giving yourself the space to have what you actually want. Being less cluttered and more organized consistently in a sustainable way is really about keeping current with who and what you are today. And sometimes our items, like maybe your husband's books, it might not just be the books themselves that are practical, but what they represent. Like to him, it might be easier to just keep them because, wow, he made it through college and he like used those books and it really meant something. And who knows the story around that, whether it's in his head or in his psyche, subconscious, 
But usually when we hold on to something for a long time, it's because it means something to us. And we may not be ready to part ways or let go until we really explore what that is. And that's why as people who share space with others, it is really good to have compassion and curiosity alongside them and never make them feel judged or attacked for having things or more things than you might choose to keep, right? Yeah. So I'll pause there because I also want to address the selling thing that you brought up because it's almost never worth selling stuff. But I don't want oh. to charge you. I love <laughs> that. Now, we're just going to leave it at that. It's almost never worth selling stuff. And well, and that leads me to this next question that I have, which is like, you know, with health, it's like we consistently, it is literally a marathon and there is no end destination because we're always, you know, nurturing our health and wanting to be in our healthiest version of our bodies. And I kind of have an inkling that with decluttering, we don't always want to be decluttering. Like, we want to get to a place and then be, you keep mentioning this like more maintaining phase. (laughs) So will you explain the arc of what it looks like to successfully declutter and then be in this other phase that then you can live by for the rest of time? Because I feel like I see a lot of people who've been moving around a lot of stuff for a lot of time. And I think that that's really exhausting. Yes. And I see it sometimes. And it's usually an indication of not being willing to let go of stuff. If we just keep moving it around, it means we're not purging probably. And we're just trying to make it fit and make it work. When really once things are sorted and purged and everything has a home, the way you maintain it is by putting things back in their home when you're done using them or as new things come in, they get a home, right? And so sometimes it helps to have like drop-off location for new items that are coming in that don't have a home yet, but you have Mm. like a daily sweep or a weekly sweep so that they get home. So if the three steps to getting organized are to sort, then purge, and then organize the keeps, the way we stay organized is being in the habits of using those homes. Right. I call it homes and habits. It's like the segue from getting into staying organized. However, because a lot of us are perfectionists, we don't want to wait until we have gotten everything organized. And now we're going to focus on maintenance. Actually want to focus on one area, getting organized, like let's say your desk, and then see what it looks like to maintain your desk. And once that starts to feel like a habit and it's working, great. Now start working on getting the kitchen counter organized. And how does it look to maintain that? And so rather than just keeping it super vague or, you know, overly optimistic, give yourself bite-sized categories or zones that you're focusing on getting and then staying organized with. Awesome. Do you feel like it's a really personal like journey or for, let's say like a average home, you know, an average three bedroom home or two bedroom home, like for a family that's, you know, not minimalist, but not hoarding mentality. What is like the general time frame of how long it takes to declutter that? Is it, do you feel like you can, somebody could declutter in a three or six month window or? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah so decluttering is different than organizing. They go hand in hand. They can yeah. be exchanged or, you know, use synonymously. How do we say? <laughs> but It depends. I usually give a range to people. I say, okay, based on what you're telling me, this is probably going to take anywhere from three to six Mm -hmm. sessions or three to six months. And 
you know, you have to look at, well, if the steps are to sort, purge, and then organize the keeps, how sorted are my things already? Because the less sorted they are, the longer it's going to take. And then purging, how quickly can I just make those decisions and let it go and try not to be a perfectionist about where it goes? That's going to speed up the process, right? Yeah. And then once things are sorted and purged, we try to recommend you start with the resources and storage you already have for homes before you go and reinvent any wheels or go buy stuff, like really see what you're already working with. And then if it's really going to help to build or buy something, you'll know your inventory so that you get the right space and dimensions to make it happen. Like I said earlier, a lot of people work backwards and they think if they just buy the right bin or shelving unit or Ikea thing, that's going to solve the problem. But instead of buying the solution, we actually become the solution by following these steps and and seeing where it, you know, how to make it work. I I totally forgot what your question was, but did I answer it? It's it's about the time frame and the timeline. And the reason I think that that's so freeing is I feel like when we're in the middle of it, it feels very like it's never going to end. And yes, how is it this much work? And how have I accumulated this much stuff? And I kind of feel like it's like food sometimes. Like it's like when you're trying not to eat cookies, you want more cookies. So when you're trying to declutter, you want more stuff. And I probably that's why we go out and buy more bins at that moment or whatever. Yeah. So how long it's going to take, because now I'm remembering what you asked. What I like recommending is looking at what are your immediate goals and what are your long-term goals? Because you want to focus on the immediate priorities first, but you want to keep the long-term goal in mind. So that way you say, okay, for the month of October, I'm primarily focused on my desk and office space being less cluttered because I'm noticing I'm not working like I'm used to. I can't focus. And this is my income or whatever, right? And so letting that be good enough for now to focus on and, you know, giving yourself that much time to do it well and right, knowing that the other things may have to wait, you know? And so when I look at, let's say, a three-bedroom house with five people in it and they say, how long is it going to take? I say, well, what are your immediate goals? They might say, well, the kitchen is good enough. But the garage is a disaster and we really need to be able to park the car in there. So like these needs inform the priorities, right? And so I would never say, let's do your whole house. I would say, let's assess and see what aspects of your house need our attention first and then take it one phase at a time. Now, the only time we tend to tackle an entire house all at once is if people are moving, you know, and they really want to sort and purge before they move. So they only take with them the stuff they love and use. That is the ideal way to do it. Not everyone has that privilege. Sometimes they are like, we got to move now. Everything gets packed and moved. And then on the other side, we bring it out, sort, purge, and then put away. But it just takes a lot more time and money to pack up a bunch of stuff you actually were going to get rid of anyway. So it's better to do it (laughs) on the other side. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love this so much. So if people want to learn more about you, how do we do that? Yeah, you can go to my website, creativelyneat.com. That's where I'm listed everywhere. Mostly social media wise, I'm on Instagram at creativelyneat. 
And because I'm a full-time student while I run my business, I haven't been as active lately on social media. But when I am, I love you know sharing tips. I occasionally send out an email if you want to get on that list. I do have free resources and media on my website. I have a couple of guides for free. I have a course if you're really wanting more extensive support on decluttering and organizing. I have a YouTube channel. And yeah, so if you go to my website, you're going to find all kinds of free stuff, or you might choose to really get into the course, which I can add phone calls to, to hold you accountable. And then Instagram is really the place I spend the most time. Amazing. And do you go into people's houses too? Oh yeah. 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 Like this right now, I have three major clients who I'm working a lot with and I can't take on more than that. Once I wrap up one of them, then I'll have a window to bring someone else in. And then I also have my team that I send out. So I have a lead organizer who's been with me for six years and she's gotten to a place where I can just send her out. She knows how to handle it. And then I have junior organizers who assist either me or her to get the job done if it's like needing to happen faster or a move or warehouse, things like that. Yeah. yeah. I have to say one of our Flow365ers, which is what I call our clients, Andrea was on the podcast way back when, so people can go look at it, but she does closets Mm -hmm. and I had her help me. And it's like, it's amazing when someone's like with you, like the decision-making process just feels so much like, and someone's with you, who's not probably your spouse or your kids. Cause I feel like that's like an extra thing. Like it's like somebody else. It's like the decisions were so like, they were just easeful and they felt really purposeful and validated, you know, like. Every time I put something on, you know, and she was like, no, I could say really once. And she'd be like, really, (laughs) you know, like, and then, you know, and every once in a while, when there was something that she said, no, but I actually like intuitively really wanted, like I could speak up in a different way. So it's really cool to have that camaraderie of like making choices. I can see how it really helps. And if people can find that someone they know or trust or, you know, someone they hire or in a group, right. It makes a big difference because if we're by ourselves making decisions, not only is it overwhelming, we will rationalize why to hold on to things longer, typically. When you have someone else who's going to keep it real and be honest with you, they're probably going to encourage you to let it go because really, like, when's the last time you wore that? It doesn't even look or feel good to you anymore. Like, it's okay to let go. (laughs) You know, sometimes we need that, like, solid reinforcement. And, you know, yeah, during COVID, I, I had like an online membership school and I had like the first time I had the course, we were all going through it together and meeting every week to talk about it. Since, you know, I'm, we're mostly in person and people can do the course on their own or schedule calls with me. But yeah, just depending on your needs and whether you work better alone or with support virtually or in person, it's really good to honor where you're at and like, don't be shy yeah. to get support however you need it because it might really make or break your decluttering process, not only getting started, but completed. (laughs) Yes, yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yes, yes. Okay. So one final wrap up thing, which I don't always do, but will you just like really quickly inspire us to what's on the other side? Like when you have decluttered and are maintaining and have a, like can get something out in the world and bring it home and easily know where to put it. Like, why are we doing this more than just trying to like, look like the magazines? You know what I mean? Like we tell us the psychological why, because I know you have it. (laughs) Yeah. Peace of mind, liberation, feeling like you can exist and celebrate life 
rather than being weighed down by a to-do list. Like imagine getting to a place where you can spend your time and energy with the people and projects you care about most because you've made space for it rather than still needing to get home so you can declutter that garage. And you've been saying that for how long now? Like allowing yourself the time and space to get it done and prioritize it, maybe shift some of your priorities around a bit to make decluttering a priority because the benefits are, they more than pay for themselves. The time and money you might spend to make it happen more than pays for itself. And then you get to really see who you are, like celebrate and honor who you are today, make space for who you're becoming. And you know, live to tell the story and inspire others to do something similar. It's incredibly, it's a relief. It's a way to just, you know, I'm getting this visual of like jumping out of a cake, like, woohoo! I don't know why. But it's like, it's just a way to really honor life, I guess, instead of drowning yeah. in stuff, to actually just yeah. have experiences be more of a priority than things. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're this welcome. has been so amazing. Oh, good. So I'm good. <laughs> At the end of every episode, we always share three doable changes. So you can take what you've heard and put it into action because action is where change happens. And even though we want big change, it's really the little things done over and over that make the difference. So I always encourage you to pick one doable change. One of the things that I'm about to share put it into your calendar, weave it through your days for a week, and then move on to the next one. I promise that it will have a snowball effect. All right, here are three doable changes from this conversation with the amazing Ashley Moon. Number one, put away things that have a home. Want to declutter a space? Start by putting away anything that you already know where it goes, i.e. it has a home. Move dishes from your desk to the kitchen sink. Throw away trash. Put books back on the shelf. Hang up your sweater. Once you do that, you can work through other categories of sort, purge, and organize. I did this one the other day, and I was really surprised how many things that had a home were not in their home. So I highly recommend this one. All right, number two, find a decluttering partner. I'm a huge believer in accountability, as you might have gathered. It's why I do everything I do. And you can find a partner. You and a friend can both declutter. You can hop on Zoom and set a time together and support each other. You could get together and one of you could help um, and you could go help your friend at their place and then they could come help you at, at your place. You could just message each other back and forth that you're starting, right? There's so many ways you can do this, but having a buddy can help you stick to the task and make decisions. All right. Number three, sort one category, pick one category, break it into subcategories, then sort and purge. For example, you could choose clothes, but don't do all clothes. Go through your pants or your workout clothes or your shoes. Do the whole subcategory and then focus on another one the next time you declutter. 
All right. I love those doable changes. I hope you do too. Remember to pick one and do come tell what it is that you do. I will see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you know a woman who wants a little more simple and a lot more flow, share this episode and send them over to the Plan Simple website to download our free course. And if you can find a five minute window today between meetings in the carpool line while you're eating your lunch, head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. This one action plays such a big part in helping other women find us. And I have so much gratitude for you in advance. So thank you so much. Until next week, dream big, plan from your heart and have a great day. 